Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it's Friday. It's a live show, but I'm not sure that I'm alive. But at least I got Brew here to rising tide and lift all the boats or whatever it is that's going on. Brew, are you less ill than I am this time around? I'm definitely less ill than you are, sicko. Oh, God. I'm cooked, man. I don't know. How... Honestly, I, I did all this prep last night because I knew I was going to be in trouble today. And I just I had this this grand plan in my head of where we were going to take this show. And I don't I don't know where I'm going with this thing right now. But I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. He is Aaron Bruski. You can follow us on Twitter at Dan Vespers and at Aaron Bruski. And this is a Friday weekend review episode of the podcast. So Brew and I are going to go over what I think are some of the larger stories of the week. And we would be remiss if we didn't start by discussing the news of the morning, which is that Brew, your, uh, I believe it's an estuary that you're running right now, has just become much more popular. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an evangelist of uh, Eubanks Estuary. You haven't heard of it? Uh, I, I had briefly visited... Um, and then I found my, I found it to be not my favorite area of the globe. And then now it looks like a much better area of the globe again. Can you tell our lovely listeners, uh, what, what the hell you're talking about? (laughs) It's a homely place. Uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, sometimes you just get lucky, I guess. No, I don't know. We, uh, we, we've been watching him forever. It feels like in San Antonio was, you know, I was always just hoping he would get cut loose there. Cause back in those days, I think I'd have to look, but he had a little bit more pop. He was just putting up these lines that you just said, Oh, what if he played 28 minutes per game? And then, you know, finds his way to Portland. And I just think it's great because you're seeing the locals start to ask for more playing time for him and they're trusting him late in games. And it's clear he's the defensive option over Yusuf Nurkic. Um, Nurk does a lot on offense. So, you know, it's not like it's clear cut that Eubanks is going to take over or anything like that. But I bet there's a lot of people as Nurk goes down inside that team that go, hey, this, we want to see this, so let's see how this goes. Um, decent athleticism, and really just, I think it was, I think I said he was like, you know, the baseline's eight and eight with a steal and a block, and then he gets in a little bit of extra run, and you saw the other night what that looks like. So that baseline is really nice. It's at minimum 175 value, just sort of with, with Nurk around, and, and, and then you build off of that. And, and then these situations where the oft injured Nurkic goes down, you're looking at something like top 80 value. So that's cool. That's the low high we always talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start charging for entrance to the island. Yeah, I uh, I admit I had to look up what an estuary was when you said that you were running it. Where this The news here, by the way, is that uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who re-aggravated his calf uh, in their ball game, whatever the hell that was, yesterday, the day before. I don't, at this point, I'm on so many cold meds, I can't remember what the hell day it is. Um is set to be out through the All-Star break. So that's an at-least kind of thing. Uh, The All-Star break is two weeks away. So you're getting now at least two weeks of Drew Eubanks starting center. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that I sprinted to pick up on this, or basically as as soon as Nurk went down in Portland's last ballgame. You had him in a lot of places, which is why you're kind of making this, this estuary joke, which, by the way, is defined as 
uh, the tidal mouth of a large river where the tide meets the stream, which is just a, that's a really pleasant, uh, where the tide meets the stream is the Drew Eubank stream. So well done there. Uh, if you, let's say you didn't have him. Let's talk more like 12-teamer type stuff. Is this a guy where you're cutting anything of, of, of value to add him? How do you treat this in uh, a situation where maybe a slightly less less deep league? Yeah, I think you got to judge it by what plays in your league, what plays well in your league. We'll throw out all the caveats about stat sets and, and what can help. And, and the good news, I guess, is you know maybe not in head-to-head, but in, in general, he's very consistent. He doesn't hurt you in places. You know, so he kind of is just really vanilla from a, a stat set perspective. So he, he, I'm going to guess he fits everywhere. But if 150 plays in your league, I think it's an easy yes. If 125 plays in your league, I think you're looking long term here and and he might be an end of the bench guy in that kind of a situation. And then if it's a 100 plays and keep it in mind, nine cat, he has about two additional rounds of value. If it's that kind of a situation, you're really looking at him as a streamer. And keep in mind that all-star break is that classic time for people to get healthy. So there's not a lot of games left. So as you're making your stream decisions, it's a streamer with potential benefits to use the parlance of the day. Uh, The other injury news from yesterday is that Luka Doncic, they're calling his right heel situation not severe, but he is scheduled to undergo an MRI. And the latest report is that he's not likely to play in the first game of a Mavs upcoming five-game road trip. Is that a situation where are, are you concerned at all? And then something we saw while he was sidelined very briefly for his ankle uh, late last week, early this week, was that Dorian Finney-Smith actually was kind of the guy who took a, a big step forward. Is that an area you're exploring, or do you wait want to wait and find out what sort of timeline we're looking at here? Yeah, I think you got to wait on that. Um... Dallas is is usually very stable, and, and they are this year as well. Um, I, I think the bigger conversation, the one that intrigues me the most with Donkic, is he he sounds to me like somebody who either can, and I think there's a decent chance he can do what I'm about to say, um, or at least he thinks he can drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of whatever, <laughs> handle the 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 kind of the training circuit however he feels like it and then the most important piece here all about him, i'm saying that a little facetiously um with with some shreds of truth in it but the uh the big thing is he pl- he plays through everything and that is going to add up over time and i think it's the combination of those things like if he was in peak physical shape at all time if he wasn't you know a little bit round you know if if he if that stuff starts to add up, I don't know how it changes his game. Um, you know, cause he's, he's so much built on being stronger than you and more skilled than you. And then he's got the step back. So he's always got that in his back pocket. So I, I almost think this is just going to keep eating around the edges for him. I don't know if he ever gets bad. And like in the sense where like those numbers really slide, you know, efficiency numbers, overall counting stats, but it, I don't know who in the history of this game has been able to sort of do it that way um, and and not have it leave a mark. And that's what I'm watching for. If if, if eventually this guy's got to take two, five, six, seven, eight weeks on an injury of some type. And I don't know when that will be, but it just feels like 
however many lives he has, you know, he's probably gone through about four or five of them. What can the Mavericks survive him his absence for any more than like a week? They're they're horrible without him. No, no, that team's got issues. Um, it's a tough West. They'll be in it all the way down. I, and, and I don't think this is going to hurt. I mean, as long as this thing's not serious and it doesn't sound like it is, but like, you know, I think they'll fight through this year and then they're going to have bigger conversations as the expectations continue to rise for Donkic, who's got a great shot at MVP if they can get a little bit more wins under their belt. Um, but then the, the conversation's already turned to you don't have anybody next to him. And then I think the, the interesting part is like, who wants to go play next to that guy because he's such a ball dominant, such a tempo dominant player. You're really going to go there and be like fourth fiddle, even if you're the second guy. So that'll be the conversation they have as we go. It feels like they kind of need to, and I know this isn't really a fantasy discussion for the moment, but it kind of feels like they need to take the approach that the Rockets took around Harden, which is a lot of guys that can just reflect what their star player does well, whether that's, you know, the Rockets going for ultra small ball, trying to find the guy that can kind of spell him a little bit. But I don't know. Right now, it just, I know it feels weird. They've done that already. They've just done it poorly. Yeah. I, I know that the Porzingis thing was a little, maybe not the world's greatest fit, but at least they had like an upper tier player next to him for a while there. And I know they were trying to move contracts around and just get a little more flexibility basically after this year, but I don't know, man, they're in a weird spot there, but let's get, let's move on to the next uh, big topic. I, I tried to scour Twitter for the names that are getting the most activity in the fantasy space. And so Brew and I are going to hit on some of those. And uh, the first one is Cam Johnson, which, you know, this is an interesting one because he had, he's kind of been dialed back down lately. And I think it would have been really easy to miss some some post game notes that the Suns, uh, their uh, their various reporters that are covering Phoenix were able to kind of pull out of the the team, which is that they ramped him up too fast and they're re ramping him now. And if you missed that news, it feels like an opportunity to buy on Cam Johnson. Are you bullish on his re ramp up, or are you worried that they might have hurt him by going too fast? I don't think they hurt him by going too fast. I, I, they, they've been so open about, we're not going to go too fast. We're going to make sure we check all the boxes. So I think this is just them being safe and, and, and kind of following through on what they said they were going to do. Um, I mean, you never know. There could always be. I mean, that's the, at this point in time, there's no question about his skill. To me, there's no question about his production. And it's only, can he stay healthy? And... There's so many reasons for him to stay healthy. You know, contracts is is the top one. Um, you know, competing in the playoffs. That team is a little weird right now. Let's, you know, let's acknowledge that. But the the thing that's kind of like the trump card here is he's a top 80 player since returning under terrible circumstances. You know, like he's just rusty coming back from a knee injury and still giving you top 80 numbers to me, that's, you know, that's a, what a sixth round player, seventh round player. So there's really just no reason not to want to be a part of that. And if, if the market's soft on him, you know, by all means take somebody's money. Just all right. Take that, it. Yeah. That was, that was, I guess one of the shorter ones. Maybe I threw it at the front end because of it. Uh, next topic on the docket, 
And I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you feel like we're going to beat this one, this topic into submission, but it's got to be the trade deadline because you and I aren't going to speak on a podcast between today and Thursday morning on our trade deadline live show. And a new name, a new combatant entered the arena yesterday. Well, it had sort of been like floating in the arena on the periphery, but uh, jumped from covered by local, very good local writers to covered by Shams. And that was Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, that was a story that, that I don't want to say broke yesterday, but got amplified yesterday that the Jazz are trying to move him. And the Blazers in particular are very interested. And I'm, it sounds like other teams are as well. I, I know you're not a huge stash guy for the deadline. I'm not a huge stash guy either. But, you know, for the most part, there's like an opportunity to look at one, maybe two guys in a best-case scenario on a roster. Where does Vanderbilt fall among names we've already talked about, Brew, like Mark Williams and Tari Eason and Zach Collins and guys of that nature where you're like, okay, this feels like a pretty obvious one. How does Vanderbilt fit into that mix? Can his role increase? I'm a little concerned if he lands in Portland. I, I, I don't know who and what would be sent out. I mean, teams should want a Jared Vanderbilt. So, but he's also a classic undervalued, you know, that stuff happens all the time. So I could he possibly land in Portland without them giving much up of value? Uh, I would think for him to land in Portland and have good value, you know, there's going to have to be at least a Josh Hart exit and maybe something else even. It, it just doesn't seem like he's going to land somewhere like that and get 27 minutes per game just sort of right off the bat or gifted to him. You know, it feels like he might be a piece of a puzzle where he gets 22 to 25 minutes. Um, also, I, I worry about Portland going for more and really trying to honor Damian Lillard's desire to have a competitive team sooner rather than later. Um, I don't think they're going to get stupid over there, but that that's just my, my one concern I'm, with, I'm with trying to, in general. I'm trying to read between the lines a little bit here. It sounds like he's a little lower on your totem pole than someone like a Mark Williams say. Oh, yeah. Mark Williams, to me, I think Mark Williams is must roster right now. Like, no questions yeah, asked. He was great like, in 17 minutes I, last I even, night. Yeah, and I think that they've turned the page on Nick Richards and also keeping in mind, I think they know they're going to trade Mason Plumley, and, and, and so they're just kind of like probably telling Nick, hey, hang on a little bit. You're going to be back in this thing shortly. So, you know, you had most of the run early in the year. Just kind of take a seat, and, and we, we got you in a couple weeks. Um, so Will, he, Williams is just great right now. Like even in a backup role, if, if Plumlee somehow was to not get traded because the Hornets are like, we want to make the playoffs. I don't, I'm just making that up. You would have Williams be totally fine. I think the rest of the year, I think he's got that backup job and I think he's got the good enough stats set to make it all work. Um, so he's my top guy. And then what? Eason is just, whoa, 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 whoa. What do we got? Whoa. What do we got? Okay. Whoa. This Going to can't, Twitter. This can't be real. Going to Twitter. This cannot be real. Breaking live here. Kyrie Irving has requested a trade? How is this possible? <laughs> I had to check to make sure it was the real Shams. Oh, I love the response. Oh, my sweet God, I love you, Eric Kareen. Thank you for that How tweet. How that's, is this possible? That's how I feel. How is um, this possible? Well, Kyrie Irving is a little bit special. What the? What's going that's, on here? This is is it, this LeBron? Is he doing this? 
I don't want to blame so. him. But... I hope so. Because that I need I need that, that what in my life. What? This is my reaction. Is we're the trade deadline no, no, show but, but isn't until next week. With Kyrie Irving, you have to be ready for this. Oh my this is god! The, this is the baseline. I he I this thought is the he was baseline with Kyrie Irving. I thought he was chill. I thought everybody was like kind of cool there. What happened? Wow. Well, he 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 did his research, and <laughs> thank you for that. What he determined was that uh, uh, he wants to go play for the Washington Generals because they have the the the, the best policy on sage burning. I don't know this guy. I have no idea. Like, um, you can't you can't take anything he does seriously. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Well, I think I probably need to tweet again that we're already live on air. Sorry, recorded listeners. You guys are catching this like an hour later. Brew and I are doing this show, as we always do on Fridays now, live. And this is straight up. And now Woj just backed it up. So there you go. He wants to be traded ahead of Thursday's deadline. This is crazy. Hey, yo, Sacramento, go do it. Nah, I'm just, I'm just messing. Like, all right, Sacramento, so don't, don't even think about it, Sacramento. I mean, um, what, what does this do to Kevin Durant? Does he? Um, probably. Let's see, what would KD do? He's probably just going to keep playing because he's KD. Yeah, he does. That's that's the good thing about KD is he just doesn't care about that. Um, this is wow. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Let's, I'm going to try to reel in my shock and awe here and say, well, obviously we don't know who would come back in an Irving trade, but it's going to be a lot because what's, what's your Lakers guy? You're, you're, you're the, you're the, the king of the Lakers right now. We'll take him. Do you, what's your odds on this, this being anything related to the Lakers? I'd say at least 25%. 25%. That's I think that's, that's good odds. I think that's pretty high, right? I was aiming high. If I went higher than that, so it would have been like can, joke level high. Can we high. take this the next step and say that maybe we see a reunion with Russell Westbrook in, in, and, in Brooklyn? Oh, my God. A KD-Russ reunion and a Bron Kyrie reunion at the same time? Could, could we handle that as a nation? <laughs> oh, I don't even feel sick anymore. I feel great. I feel great. I've got adrenaline coursing through my veins I, I now. I do too. I feel I'm happy. This like, is so crazy. You know, you get that adrenaline kick you rarely get these days. <laughs> this is supposed to happen on Thursday morning. 
Oh my God. This is what so nuts. What is due to the market? I mean, like, who? Okay. I'm going to get my, my list of Steam. Whenever I want to just like look, I yeah, go get to the Steam list. Things. Get the list. And, and just be like, who? Okay. Who can deal with this? All right. So Kyrie's contract is what? 30 something million dollars right now, right? Didn't he opt into the last year of a uh, 30 yeah, something million? He probably wants to be paid in Bitcoin. So what's the calculation there? No, no. Now that's Spencer Dinwiddie. Let's not get them confused. Hey, and he's having a great season, by the way. He is. He finally yeah, we got his field goal the percent up. We didn't even touch on that. It's it's uh, him and um, Bruce Brown just really like killing Bruce, it. Hi, yeah, Bruce Brown is such a nice. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, Kyrie, 30, 37 mil. Like. 37 mil. So okay, 37 mil. That's where, what you're working uh, with here. Where's Bagel? Steven, we need you. He's probably working like a normie. Like a, normie like, a real, like a real boy with a job and stuff. Russ's contract is 47, by the way. So there's hey, a 10 mil gap say, there. Hey, we're close, right? Like, Oh, yeah, easy. What? They may, they could make that work if that's really what it took, and you if know, that's I what it took, the Lakers like, you know, would do it. Daryl, I know you're out there, like for just go jokes and, and giggles and stuff. Like Philly, think, yeah, like come on, Daryl. I don't think Harden would sign off on that. Oh hell no! What? After the after their time together in Brooklyn, I wonder if oh, this no. is Ben Simmons related. It feels like that team is completely fed up with Ben Simmons already. And maybe I'm reading too much into this. Would you pick up anyone on Brooklyn on this news? Because it, I don't know that I can because it feels like someone significant would have to come back. And, like, you know Kyrie's got a team in mind. He ain't requesting this what, trade what to just be like, send me anywhere. What do you think about the relationship between Kyrie and, and Braun? I think it's repaired. He was like, just talking what, about yeah, it. That's like, what I think. Like three days ago, Braun sat out that ball game in Brooklyn. Gift the Nets a nice little victory there. And then Kyrie's like, you need to... He told the whole world, appreciate what this man is doing. Which, by the way, he's not wrong there. Like, what LeBron's done has been pretty unbelievable. Like, he's about to pass Kareem. That's crazy. Uh, but those two guys... But here's the thing, though. That's very much a distance or an absence makes the heart grow fonder type of thing. Because, like... But they're so screwed in L.A. And yeah, they kind of have to. It. Okay, let's look at the rest of the league. Who's going to take Kyrie? Cleveland, no. no. Miami, maybe. I'll give them a maybe, but like... Yeah, Miami's uh, a maybe. That's because they're a little disappointing right now. They need to shake something up because Kyle, and, Kyle and, Lowry looks like he's he died. I don't know what happened honestly, there. Jimmy Butler would probably just make Kyrie go curl in a ball and cry if there was if it push came to shove. That's true. You, Do you know? think you think Jimmy would sign off on that? It feels like he'd be like, nah, man. Nah. I'd probably say nah, Because he couldn't man. even coexist with Cat, who's just sort of like apathetic well, he, he, about basketball he Kat, yeah he made cat cry more or less yeah and then i mean the knicks know they got brunson and that's you know kind of they're happy there atlanta's kind of crazy enough what could but, they but even do but, there but at least there's a, a good solid chunk of that organization that's smartly behind Dejounte murray and and they get it and i don't think they're going to be that team washington's always there washington's a little little crazy I don't know what they would do. It's LA. A crazy. It's LA. It's, it's LA. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's not Indy. It's not Chicago. It's not Toronto. No. I don't even know if he can play in Toronto. What's the rules up you know, these days? This actually just gave the Lakers a crap ton of leverage. I don't know if that was the intent, but it probably was the intent. Because now they can <sighs> negotiate. Like, if there's really a superstar that wants to go there, because that is, that is what this sounds like. Uh, now the Lakers would be like, all right. 
Chicago, you want to get off your stars? You're going to have to beat Kyrie coming in. Washington, you want to get off Beal? You're going to have to beat Kyrie coming in. This is, dude, the league, this is why the, I know I'm a Laker fan, so I'm going to try to say this without smirking as I'm saying it, but this is why the league hates the Lakers. Because this type of crap just falls in the Lakers' lap. And it's very much, someone's going to come out of left field after we've said all this. Someone's going to come out of left field and, and he'll end up somewhere else after all of this. But right now, this is Lakers' leverage. And the league has every right to be annoyed with them about it. Because nobody else would be this this fortunate. And he's there's on no one-year deal. They don't even have to take him after this year if they don't want. There, there's no other place that can reasonably want to take him. I mean, even the the bottom feeders that might be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try that out. You but know, they wouldn't want to give up what it would take to get him. Yeah, there's no point. You got to like, look for a Utah. team that's – you're looking for embattled teams right now, right? You're looking yeah. for a team where the expectations are high and the future is bleak. And that's L.A. and that's maybe LA. Phoenix. And maybe Phoenix, Phoenix, but they'd but have like, to do what? But like Chris, Chris Paul's going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off on all of this. He might be the one going the other way. It could, yeah. Hey, and you know what? Paul, Chris Paul and KD well, would also, probably get along. Remember, there's always new owner stank. Yeah. Like, the, the new, new owner stank is, it, look at it in Minnesota. Look at it in Sacramento all those years. Like, new owner comes in. They think they know stuff. And I don't know that this is the case, but like, you know. Maybe the, the new owners are like, I don't like being in seventh place, and Kyrie's going to get us there. But this smells like L.A. Can I just remind you that, like, 30 minutes ago, this podcast started with with us talking about vasectomies? And, and th- I, I, that, that, that's going to the, the Broadcasting Hall of Fame right ah, there. We've, well, how far we've come in a mere half an hour. Uh, welcome, by the way, to everybody that's tuning in who is just blown away by this ridiculous news. Brew and I got extraordinarily lucky that we were actually on air while it happened. Um, all right, so let's play this game, Brew, because I'm I'm officially taking all of my all of the work I did last night of topics we were going to be talking about on today's show, and I'm just throwing it right off the side of you a bridge. You don't want to talk about Isaiah Hartenstein right I now? I did initially. I did. He was on the damn list, but Isaiah can wait. Kyrie is a bigger deal. Let's say hypothetically. And I need to probably pull up Brooklyn's contract situation in front of my face here. Uh, let's say that Russ and Kyrie is the nucleus of a potential deal. Uh, someone else would have to be with Kyrie Irving, someone in the like $10 million range. Seth Curry is right around there. Royce O'Neal is right around there. They have plenty of things that could make that work. Patty Mills plus like TJ Warren. Like there's plenty that could fill that gap. Lakers presumably would have to send some picks back the other way because Kyrie is is markedly better at basketball than Russell Westbrook. Instantaneously turns the Lakers into a contender. Uh, so, I mean, that's a pretty good selling point. Would the Nets... I assume the Nets, if they got Russ back, they'd probably play him? I don't think they'd... It's not like a rebuilding team that would cut him loose. Doesn't his arrival kind of stop anyone else interesting from gaining fantasy value in Brooklyn or am I simplifying it too much? No, I I think it hurts kind of everybody by a little bit, you know, the Royce O'Neal's like the Seth Curry's like, it just, you're going to be watching. I mean, so like I almost tweeted this out. I was too late. I was too tired. I couldn't think of the joke. All I knew is that like five times a year, I'll be reading box scores and I just audibly laugh 
because I see something and it's so on point or whatever it is, whatever is causing me to laugh. Two of 16 in a one point win last <laughs> night. I mean, you know I saw the tweets. I wasn't going well for him. No, like, and everybody got really mad too that he was part of the closing lineup, which is really funny because that was actually the only time in the ball game where he wasn't horrific because he wasn't super involved down the stretch. He played defense and there was like one play where he where he got the ball to AD inside, I believe. And that was basically I would like it. to request 15 seconds of 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 just Scott Brooks talk. That guy got so much I'm he's a good coach stuff from all of NBA land and look at what he did to Russell Westbrook. Look at how badly that guy doesn't know how to play basketball. Like you put him in Brooklyn, he's going to do the same thing he's done. He did it with LeBron James. Yeah. Like LeBron is the the guy that every the, all the planets orbit around him. And then Russ is like, "Nah, I got this, man." Yeah, no, I got my I own got orbit, this. baby. <laughs> Russ is in his own orbit. There was a like a two-week stretch this year where it seemed like maybe he could carve out that bench role, but he's just gone back to forcing everything all the time. But that's the thing, though. Like a, a lot of the questions that are that are firing off in the YouTube chat and on Twitter off this are, well, should I stash Seth Curry? Should I stash Joe Harris? Should I stash? And it's like, if you have two very high usage guys, two ships passing in the night, I don't know that anything around them changes all that much. This may be an incoming or impending blockbuster trade that means way more on the reality side than it does on the fantasy side. Agree? At least with Kyrie, you know kind of what he's... He's like a wizard with the ball, and there's an intuitiveness. That well, he's even good. Though it's very selfish. He's, you know, he's a selfish basketball player. Let's just be clear. But, like, within that context, he's still very, very, very good. Yeah, that's allowed if you're really good. If you're going to shoot, like, 49, Dribble the ball off his palms five times at 100 miles an hour and then stop for the longest two you've ever seen and it barely hits the backboard yeah i don't so i just you bring it's gonna be a downer for brooklyn um what about kd probably yeah i think kd is gonna be great no matter what i mean this probably helps him there's familiar familiarity there with them um it might even help uh russ out a little bit just to have you know that reunion Playing with LeBron is tough, like flat out. Um, you know, he has his own tempo issues, you know, killing momentum with his pet shots that he likes to go to that aren't necessarily the good ones. Yeah, um, but you give him that because he carries the team. That's like an, okay, fine, I don't like this, but you're allowed to do it three or four times a game because, you know, team is a plus 22 when you're in there and a minus 26 when you're out kind of thing. But yeah. with Russ, it's like, oh, you're going to do that when we're hanging on by a thread as it is? Uh. How many highlights has he had this year of just like, oh, I can't believe we just saw that at the end of a game. I just, you know. it's not even about the highlights for Russ to me are almost too cruel because they pick on the, like the worst moment. And that's not even the stuff that for me watching the Laker game and I'm trying to watch every possession. It's like, he gets out in transition, he makes one good pass, and then you've got like three half-court sets in a row, and he tries to do the same thing. It doesn't make a highlight reel because he just bounces a ball to the other team, and it's not funny, it's just bad. Uh, by the way, I want to remind everybody watching that Chris Haynes' a tweet, this is thank you to uh, Koo, who covers the Pistons, he just retweeted this to remind everybody uh, that Kyrie Irving, on January 25th, which is basically a week ago, 
A report came out from Haynes saying that Kyrie was seeking a contract extension and wanted to keep Brooklyn his home. Doesn't it kind of feel like the Nets basically said, you're not getting an extension here, and this is his response to that? This guy's been entitled the whole time. He's he's had that that treatment as a player where all this stuff has just been kind of okayed by everywhere he's played, you know, for the most part. Um, I'm sure he's gotten pushback at some some point in time. Um, so yeah, he's reacting like a little baby. I can't wait to see what happens. This is going to make our trade deadline show even more fun. And and, and now we got to, it's funny you mentioned Ben Simmons, like if he could stay healthy, isn't he the only point guard really? I mean, you can, you can run, you know, Curry out there. Can he even stay healthy if you gave him the ball a lot? I don't know. Wow. Well, this show took quite a turn. I know nobody wants us to talk about anything else, but I feel like I still need to get a couple of these other fantasy nuggets in because this trade hasn't actually happened yet. We're manifested. There's going to be all the follow-up stuff. that. So basically, you know, this these these stories have been in the chamber for, you know, Shams and, and then Woj, and then you're going to get Mark Stein and Chris Haynes. Everybody's going to get their next detail because that's how it gets sold. Um, you know, in the food chain of, of the press. It's like, I'm not going to give you the top nugget, but I'll give you the fourth nugget. So we're going to get all those nuggets over the next half hour here. So we'll have time to and, talk about Kyrie. Yeah, and I mean, Shams has pretty much since the outset been, I don't want to say carrying water, but a little bit of water carrying for oh, Shams on that. On. I, I mean, Both he and Woj have, it's very clear how much water gets carried. It seems like with the Brooklyn stuff, Woj often got the team report and Shams often got the Kyrie report the agent report yeah right so the fact that Shams came out with this was like on it it's happening don't you think I mean oh yeah no this is I mean there's no coming back six like, days away Brooklyn has and all the crap he's put Brooklyn through I mean <laughs> yeah I know this is how it this is how it ends crazy it's and he's, and frankly I mean there's there's to kind of back up Kyrie a little bit, there is business, you know, okay, you're not going to get what you want, right? All right, cool. Now I need to get what I want, you know, as Man. his agent thinking. So, well, how's the best way for him to get what you want? And they don't care about the optics. That's a, another thing that people really, I think, as a whole, we don't kind of collectively understand um, is that nobody cares about the optics, Nobody cares about what Twitter thinks. Like, he knows there's going to be bad press. They'll get over it. People will forget. So demanding this trade, as bad as it makes him look, as, you know, unsavory as it is, and, you know, if you're a team that's looking to acquire him, as kind of stupid as you have to be to go into this thinking you're not going to get the same exact thing that's happened over and over and over again. The, the best way to do that is what he's doing is to say, you know, I don't want to re up. You need to trade me. And, you know, I, I think Jerry West would probably just make him go to free agency. You know, yeah. that's an interesting angle. Yeah. Is, and that's basically what he's, uh, Woj, there have been some follow up tweets actually while you were saying that, which is that. There were some talks on a new deal. No deal was reached and a trade request was delivered to the organization today. 
Irving can leave the franchise this summer as a free agent. So he's basically saying, like, look, if we're not getting a deal done, I'm out of here. Well, in uh, that last line, I'm going to pull that up so I can make sure I'm reading it right. That last line, you know, in our line of work, you get good at reading things like this. Yep, um, that didn't need to be in there, but it no, was. No, every word is in there for a reason. And a lot of this stuff, um, you know, there's a good friend of ours in another interview. I'm gonna, actually, I don't want to go that far. I don't even know. But like a follower of the shows in another industry who's a major newsbreaker that got caught doing this and there's copy that it gets exchanged back and forth that's like hey are you good with this and so the copy is actually very important irving can leave the franchise this summer as a free agent you might as well read that in a threat voice yep like go ahead and leave don't let the door hit you on the way out so in terms of a trade you know this thing with Russell Westbrook, I mean... So uh, there's some folks that are already putting together three-team deals involving Utah, uh, where Russ ends up with the Jazz, Sexton, Beasley, other pieces uh, would end up in Brooklyn in a situation like that. Uh, so there's a lot left to play out. Um, I'm going to do the completely idiotic thing here on a podcast, and I'm going to take us to a couple of other topics before we get to questions in the chat room. To the many of you that joined us on this insane news, please do find us on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, at Aaron Bruski, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S-A-A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I. Like and subscribe to our YouTube page. This is nice big turnout here on the Kyrie Irving news. I'm fighting my way through this cold. My Tylenol is wearing off. I have Afrin here at my desk that you guys might actually watch me use mid-podcast. But I got to pick Brew's brain on a couple of players we talked Drew Eubanks at the beginning of the show. We talked Cam Johnson at the beginning of the show. And then Kyrie Irving issued a trade demand. And I want to get to at least like two more players here before we... Oh, we talked uh, Jared Vanderbilt and um, trade deadline stashes a little bit. Brew, can I hit you with like two more players before we do a couple of questions? Yeah, we'll, we'll go lightning round. Oh, it doesn't even need to be lightning round. You talk as long as you oh. want. You're, you're the healthy one here. <laughs> I'll carry the show, Dan. I'm just gonna sit back us. and take a take little cat naps to try to get my energy back in between uh, whatever weird stuff I'm saying today. I'm not gonna remember anything I've done. I've got so many sweet, sweet cold meds coursing through my veins. Um, what are you doing with Isaiah Hartenstein? I know we sort of like joked that we weren't gonna get to talk about him, but I want to talk about him. He had a second decent ball game in a row. Yeah, I've had to sort of reset expectations. It sucks because expectations were working out early on and everybody was happy with Isaiah Hartenstein for about a month there. And I just think, I, I mean, we don't know for sure. I think there's the injuries have taken his game out and it just feels like he's getting healthy. Now you're seeing it in the, in the stat sheet. So I, I think um, one of the, one of the main points that, um, you know, looking into the season was like, this is a guy that can in say 20 minutes per game start to get you top 150, top 130. You know, we've seen even better stretches from him. And then the thought was, this is a guy who can really play. He's going to a team that values defense. You know, um, Mitchell Robinson has not been able to stay healthy at times. He was, I mean, at times all last year, he was dragging his leg up and down the court. So you're just sitting there going, all right, good, solid floor good player going to a decent spot and a, a very good potential to keep rising through the ranks. And, and that's why he was high 
you know, on the board for folks and, and especially us. Um, but now you're seeing Mitchell Robinson not stay healthy, but it's been better on the floor. You know, it, he hasn't looked as bad physically. So with that, you know, you're going to just sort of keep that in the back of your mind and say, we don't have as much hope that Hartenstein can just sort of roll over, you know, a, a very unhealthy Mitchell Robinson who's hurt right now, but I digress. Um, Sims is still very inconsistent, still has holes in his game, but has an incredible body to work with, you know, so he's better than we thought at the beginning of the year, at least in just terms of where he's at. Um, and then Hartenstein, how does he fit? So I'm not sure he can get to where we thought he would be preseason because they're just flat out not using him as a facilitator, which keeps him involved in the offense, which gets him easy shots, offensive putbacks, things like the, 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 the little things that will help accumulate value the way it did in the past. He's not getting that. So I'm a little bit more uh, bearish here. I think if you need a big man, that's definitely the time to take a shot because if this was all injury driven, you're going to start to see all the stats come back. You're going to start to see him climb in the MPG. There is a chance that Mitchell Robinson continues to get hit with the, with the injury bug and they just, you know, keep going up with Hartenstein. Um, but beyond that, like, is he going to be somebody that, that definitely makes an impact? Is he somebody that we're hype training right now? I don't think so. Yeah, it does feel like we have to kind of keep it all in check because Mitchell Robinson was having a really good season before he got hurt. He kind of did all the healthy. things. What's that? Looking healthy-ish. Yeah, prior to this. The last year, I thought I was really worried for his career, let alone, you know, how was he going to play in the next week or two with the way he was dragging his leg up and down the court. I can only think of airplane when I hear the term dragging up and down the court. Which, shout out to uh, Kareem, who's about to have his record broken for that hilarious line in uh, in Airplane. Um, okay, uh, next guy on my board is actually really more of a team. What the heck's going on with Miami? Uh, specifically Kyle Lowry, who looks like he's bordering on just taking a nap on the court these days. What the hell happened? Yeah, um, well, he played a ton of minutes is, is primarily what happened. And that's... You know, I was because I have him in one pretty important league, and and he definitely wasn't somebody I was targeting, and he just sort of fell to me, and it was like, hey, why not Kyle Lowry? You know, what if? And it's actually worked out, you know, <laughs> until lately. The minutes, I was just watching the minutes and going, man, this is not going to last long. This is going to end, and so it's ending while he's on the floor. And we also have seen that with Miami. Um, Gabe Vincent has played the same role. You know, he gets banged up, he gets on the floor, and it's almost as if he's out there and everybody has an understanding. Look, this guy's hurt. Don't give him the ball. He's just going to stand there and take up minutes. And, you know, we're just so desperate that we got to do that. And I think that's what's happening with them is they're not ready to turn the, the team over to others. And, you know, it's just go out there and stand, really. And th that's the stats that you're seeing. And he's also lost all of his ability to do what he used to do. So he has flashes. He can get in there and do things when the other team is completely porous. But if there's anybody of, you know, decent defense across from him, he can't beat them anymore. So there's that. Uh, do you think Victor Oladipo, who missed their last ball game, can he potentially stay above the cut line? Or is he not? Is there just not it, enough left when they're healthy there either? 
it's just about his health. I think if he's healthy, I think he's going to get top 125 value with or without people around him being healthy because they need his offense. And this is a team that's really – they've got too many players that have been either too dinged up or are not offensive enough to begin with, and it just kind of comes back to Jimmy Butler. Hey, Jimmy, go go save us, you know, and, and they're getting a little bit more out of BAM this year, but still, you know – Teams aren't afraid of that, and yet they've been winning lately a little bit. Um, I don't know the last couple games if they won or not, but somebody remind me. Uh, but they were on like a five, five and one, six and one kind of a run. And, a lot and of lower scoring back. games too, kind of like grinded out types. Yeah, they're just quietly getting back to business they, there. But they lost to the Knicks yesterday, I think was the most recent one. That but they are like one. they are six and four their last ten. They've been playing a little bit better. They're pretty good at home also, not surprisingly. You know, yeah, South Beach Miami nightlife. Miami nightlife remains largely. And then you know what half of me wonders, did Kyle Lowry get sucked up? I have no did, idea. Did, did, did they lose him to the city? I thought he looked a little thinner at the start of the year. I, I don't know if that's the case anymore but uh, yeah, he got a little large there um okay and then i don't know what if i want to redux something that we talked about earlier in the week but i, I do kind of want to loop back around to trade deadline just one more time and kind of put a bow on that discussion if you missed it earlier in the show we talked a bit about jared vanderbilt brew you talked a bit about mark williams uh can i get your thoughts one more time here just so everybody kind of has it going into the weekend on uh, Zach Collins and Tari Eason are a couple of the names and maybe even Precious Achua as other possibilities here, which I know it's kind of hard to talk about with this Kyrie stuff up in the air because it could upend the Lakers, it could upend the Suns, it could upend the Clippers, it could upend the Jazz. I mean, that's also why it's hard to pick a stash or maybe the answer here is this is why I don't go beyond Mark Williams, who seems like all the Charlotte stuff is kind of insulated from what just happened with Kyrie? Where do you stand with the whole deadline stash concept as a whole? Yeah, I think it's funny that there's like a, it seems to be this backlash against deadline stashes. And I think like maybe there was kind of an overstashing maybe five years ago. I don't know. Um, the trade deadlines also back in those days, there used to be these just massive one, one year, like a third of the league or even more got traded and so you, you got to see some guys that just went pop, you know, after the deadline. So, but that's been so long ago. I don't know what the, you know, just seeing people talk about the trade deadline stashes, like, you know, that's like the argument against nobody out there. I don't think anybody's arguing that you hold an asset, um, you know, just strictly because there's some positionality, you know, involved. I know we got the Isaiah Jackson stuff going on, but like the dude played nine minutes last. You wanted me to go on a rant about this? Sure, rant away. The dude has these games where he has as many blocks and or rebounds as he has minutes. You know, like he had three minutes the other night and he got three blocks. He had <laughs> nine minutes last night and had three blocks and six rebounds. That on its own is rationale to hang on to somebody, not, not necessarily like the trade deadline. Um, but of course, you know, with that particular player, depending on in your leagues, of course. This is why I almost feel like every piece of analysis needs to have, like on the front end, what plays in your league. If, if top 75 plays in your league, you might not want to hang on to this guy. 
you know, because it's just not worth it. But if top 200 plays in your league, that's absolutely worth it to hang on to somebody, you know, whether you're looking at the deadline as the motivator or the coach just decides, Hey, I'm going to play you. Um, shout out Rick Carlisle for making sure that Daniel Tice got his minutes. <laughs> Cause the, the world of the Indiana Pacers who lost by the way, you know, it wouldn't be all right unless Daniel Tice. He was a, by the way, he was Tice was a minus 12 in seven minutes yesterday. As a Laker fan, I was extremely grateful for the Daniel Tice for those minutes. seven minutes. Because they, Miles Turner was just dominating that game in every way. If he played 34 minutes instead of 31 and a half, Indy wins that game going away. I, this is where I really wish, you know, it's like the Athletic came, you know, talking big game. We're going to bring you the stories that matter. You know, they said it in that exact voice, actually. And I heard it. I want to know, you got these two young players that, you know, you were so high on um, with, with Isaiah Jackson. You, you talked him up all last year. You gave him all this opportunity. He showed he could step into it. What are you, what's the plan there? Like, are you trying to just crush this dude? Or is he absolutely not mature enough to handle where he was at? And now it's Rick Carlisle saying, I'm going to put you in your place, man. And then there's going to be a happy ending after all that. Like, where's the reporting that's going to get to the bottom of that? Because you didn't do it just with one player. You did it with two players. You did it with Jalen Smith as well. You know, and, and now you turn to Miles Turner, good player. But, you know, is he somebody that you can absolutely build around? Two-year deal? That's weird. You know, like, can the athletic get in there and get to the bottom of this? Can somebody else get in there and get to the bottom of this? Because it feels like if you're not going to maximize those two players, what are you going to get in return? Are you just going to bury them and destroy their value? And and now when you go to trade them, you can't get anything back? Or are you trying to decrease their value so you can re-sign them in three years for cheap? Like, what's the angle here? Well, we saw. That, I feel like we saw teams do this with Christian Wood, and then he immediately signed a contract somewhere else. You're sort of guaranteeing that when the player gets good, they're not going to want to stay on your team. Yeah, that's a good example. Christian Wood... Um, but you seem to, I, I, I do, I wish we'd get more stories on this. Um, is it, it almost feels like the, the GMs out there are trying to decrease the value of their assets so they can sign them for cheap. That's a distinct possibility. I actually think that maybe Rick Carlisle was trying to kind of tank a little bit, and then Tyrese Halliburton has just been too good. Okay, I mean, it's possible. There's a tank big, big game tonight, by the way. Ah, and he might not I, I, play. I don't know if he'll play. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a back to back after a couple of weeks off, no Fox, because because he's got his kiddo. And also, this is just a random thought. If you're gonna get snubbed on the All Star, and I do think that De'Aaron Fox got snubbed on the All Star, what a way to like distract yourself. You get your your first kid, and you're gonna be up all night, like <laughs> just stewing, not caring about basketball. Well, yeah, it could I be both know. ways. As I, I I would personally just be like, I don't care. Like, I'm not even gonna think about basketball for three days. And just be with my kid. And when I come back, then I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Actually, and a lot of Kings fans are complaining. I don't think you should be complaining. I think you guys should be happy. He's going to go and just take it out on the rest of the league the rest of the year. I don't know what more he could do in fourth quarters than he already is. Maybe he'll just start doing it in the third now instead. Honestly, I, I you know, shout out to, to him and, and his camp. They've had a problem with me because, you know, I pointed out the bad defense that you could just see right there on film. But, um, he has been the Mariano Rivera of the NBA and it's been incredible to watch because you, it's like 
uh, watching kids play and there's the one kid that's just better and they, they can kind of just go to whatever they want to go to whenever they want to go to it. And he's just converting on all of it that way. It's, it's, it's great to watch. Um, and shout out to Paul George. You got an all-star nod and you didn't even need to do anything for it. Yeah. You might even need to play next year. Who knows? Yeah. That I don't was... know. If you're going to get an all-star without having to play, I mean, why play? Yeah. I really don't. I don't, I don't like that one at all. I think we're going to 72 games. That's my theory. You think that's a lot of revenue though. I mean, it's the on table. the players now too. They're, they're, you know, their BRI is going to shrink because they're out there, you know, whether it's them listening to the trainers or them just wanting to keep their careers to, you know, intact and stay on the court longer. You know, they're all going to lose on this thing because it, it just doesn't make sense from a TV perspective to have, you know, these, this narrative, you know, when, when 90% of the public watches first take and, you know, whatever the Fox Shannon Sharp equivalent is, you know, with that other guy who shan't be named, you know, <laughs> they get their their opinion on the NBA is what those guys say. And, and they're out there complaining that, you know, such and such isn't playing. So people are going to be down on the NBA. TV ratings will be down. It's all going to come out of your guys's pocket. You either play hard for 82 or you play less hard for 72. Your yeah. Choice. And there's a yeah, there's a. A downside to it uh, for them as well. Um, we are going to go to the chat room now. If you guys are still hanging out with us on YouTube, feel free to throw a question in there. We're going to do it pretty quick oh, here, though. And programming note, yeah, hard stop, 11.45. Ah, Brew's got 15 minutes, everybody. So we are rolling. Question number one, what are your thoughts on getting rid of positions and just playing with all utility spots? This way you can just draft whoever you think is best, even if it's 10 point guards. I don't mind it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I mean, I think there's something to be said for position eligibility that, you know, I kind of like. I like the strategy of it. I like, you know, not having the, um, as yeah, I don't know if you guys get the background noise, I got people outside the house Mm-mm. yelling and screaming and all that good stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I like the position eligibility. It's just one little added wrinkle. Um, I like it even when they do it bad. But <laughs> if you want to talk fair, Fair is fair. I've had a couple leagues that have played like this. You mold your team the way you want to mold it. So I'm for it. I'm for it. But I do like the weird little intricate rules. Yeah, most of the leagues I run, I've switched it to three guard, three forward. So not a, none of the like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward discrepancy there. Guys have tons of eligibility. It becomes sort of a non-issue once you just take away part of it there. Uh, I received a trade. Larry Markinen for Terry Rozier and Wendell Carter Jr. Which side do you like here? I think I'm on the Markinen side. You? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I get a little worried about Utah just sort of falling in the standings. And then, you know, one of the reasons that Markinen was, I don't want to say under the radar because I don't think he was under the radar, but in terms of being a top 20 asset, um, very much under the radar. And one of the reasons that is the case is that he was injured all the time. So, you know, Terry Rozier, well, one thing that makes me say, I'll say Mark in it outright on this one is, is you might see Rozier in another location. That's not so friendly. I'm in a comfortable lead and I've been stashing Mark Williams, precious Achua and Alec Burks. Do you think these are good holds to power my way through to the end? I can't imagine Burks holds onto this role past the trade deadline in Detroit, but crazier things have happened. And Brew has already expressed how uh, very pro Mark Williams he is. Um, So what do you think about Precious and Burks? I know not a great lightning round question, but 
there yeah, it is. Precious, I think, is, I mean, it's interesting, but just that stat set, you got to keep that in mind. And if his deficiencies are not something that you can handle, or you just got to look at that and make sure you're getting full value there. And if you are, I'm still hesitant to get behind it because I think that they have a little bit of precious fatigue in, in Toronto. They haven't had his back, you know, after initially having his back a little bit and, and then what is going on with this team and what do they get back for an OG Anunoby? It, it could absolutely wipe him out. So that's all just keeping my expectations low. I would say if there's not a lot of upside on your wire, you could look at him because theoretically he puts it all together on a team that's maybe not tanking, you know, or maybe tanking a little bit and, um, you know, kind of cutting players like that loose after a trade deadline where they are sellers, not buyers. Uh, the one thing I mentioned on another show, I think it was my show, is that um, there's been rumors about Pirtle going back there, and that would just crush him. So um, I just think there's a, that Williams is at the very top, and then those two players are absolutely expendable. Kelly Olynyk or Drew Eubanks going forward? Ah, I mean, I know that we've seen little flashes of Houston Kelly O, but he also, to me, is a player that probably plays 75% of the remaining games, um, maybe even less if things get really bad there. Um, Eubanks, I think, is locked in the rest of the way. So I, this might burn me, but I'll, I'll, I'll be the evangelist of, of Eubanks Estuary one more time. Give me Drew Eubanks. Wow. Eubanks, Ben Simmons, Josh I, Hart. I, can I just say I don't feel good about that one at all? But I'm gonna <laughs> hurt just me. go with my gut and you hurt my my poor addled old heart here. Uh which of these three guys would you drop, Brew? Drew Eubanks, Ben Simmons, or Josh Hart? I think it's gonna be Hart. I mean, there's there's a lot of re- like they're not happy with his play in, in Portland. He's an injury uh risk guy. He also has this like, what if he lands in a place like <laughs> OKC somehow and they just cut him loose and he's like a top 50 guy I I don't want to even say that because now you might think it could happen and I don't think you could plan for that at all but Hart would be the guy I would kick out there scrolling down a little bit here uh just a nice comment no questions today just wanted to tell you you're the best thanks that feels nice when I feel so ill right now need some positive reinforcement uh Drew Eubanks or Larry Nance forget the punt we're not doing punts on today's show what do you like between um, those two guys? You know, Nance is really just leveled out as a 130, 150 guy with a decent number of minutes, and it's all coming in like one game, and then he's disappearing the next. So um, I, I got to say I like Eubanks there. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Eubanks or Jabari Smith Jr.? A lot now, of we're getting, versus... now we're getting spicy. You guys are just baiting me at this point. Yep, uh, that's what they they got you, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, that team also. I mean, you know, turning it over to Shingun. Yeah, nicely done. Thanks. Uh, now I'm like uh, Mackie Sasser with the uh, the throwback to the pitcher there. Uh, <laughs> you're reading that. The, you're, you're reading the Playboy out loud. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. Because uh, uh, I, I know um, you like Jabari Smith Jr.'s fantasy game. He hasn't hit the percentages yet, but does he figure it out here this down the stretch? Team is, this team is so bad in terms of like what happens on the floor, even with Shingun. Like, even like there, like his game is he's got the, the smarts and the IQ, but 
also it doesn't quite fit with what they've got going on because they have three other players that really want to shoot the ball at all times. So they're not comfortable playing off of him that way. It's a total mess there. Being that Jabari needs somebody to get him the ball, he doesn't get the ball with consistency. Um, Kevin Porter, I think this is worth talking about. He he talked about his injury. He thought it was a short-term one, and then it started dragging out. And it doesn't sound like it's dead in the water. It doesn't because it sounded like it might be for a little bit. Um, not dead in the water, but like maybe there was something serious going on there. Um, but it does sound like he'll eventually, probably on the other side of the break, be back. Um, you could get Jalen back. You, you you got something probably going on at the trade deadline. Who knows what there. Um, you got Eason, you know, there's a lot of different pieces there and Jabari that just doesn't look good for him. Uh, I'm going to stay, say to hang on to Jabari because at some point the people involved there are going to get pretty pissed that their top pick is not performing. And I think there will be a message sent down below. Hey, get him the ball more because we need to know what we have. You know, like you can't go the entire year with him being this far on the outside looking in, you know, for guys like Porter to be jacking it up. You know, you can't go full Shingoon and just leave that guy out in the lurch. So I'll go Jabari. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Uh, a couple of questions about Olinick, but you touched on that um, just a, a minute ago. Um, any concern of jumping off the Nurkic ship, which is an interesting angle on this, but I don't know what you could even do there. Like you probably can't get reasonable value for him while he's hurt anyway but earlier i think you said you weren't super concerned that it was going to just get turned over to eubanks but maybe sliding minute or two more towards a timeshare is that still am i did i hear you right there i I, yeah but i think with nurk one of the good things is as his minutes go down he's going to be emboldened and asked to provide more he's on the floor for the offense so like yeah it could be good yeah, it could just condense his minutes, make things more efficient. And I think you're, I'm not moving off of Nurk, you know, maybe because this question's being asked, it's a drop question in a shallower league where top 75 is all that plays. And you're kind of thinking, all right, you know, what do I got here? But just, I think the baseline is the same and you got the all-star break. Let's not hold this injury against him. He gets a lot of these things and uh, he could, he could easily be back on the other side of the break. Uh, what do you think about Daniel Gafford, Kevin Herter, rest of season? Are these guys that you're holding, or are they more streamer slot-ish? Um, you know, there might be an issue for Herter at the deadline because all of the rumor from Sacramento is that they're going for a wing, which is funny because they don't really need a guard. And Harrison Barnes next to Keegan at three and four is really kind of as good as it gets. Keegan can play on the perimeter and defend. Um, you know, Barnes in terms of defense is just like at least not a huge liability. You know, he does certain things well and he doesn't really get up in the air and protect the rim. But like, so what are they looking for? Are they looking for a, a one, two or a two, three? This could hurt Herder. And he's at about a 120 right now. And that's you know, right on the cut line for for a lot of leagues. I would just rate him there. I like the player, and they definitely rely on him. Um, but there could be some degradation in his future. And then Gafford, I just don't trust him to stay healthy. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be in, say, like a nine-cat league where he's really better than in eight-cat leagues. I don't know that he's going to cross the top 80 mark, even in an upside scenario right now. So 
I would I would rate Gafford at like 120 per game in a nine cat league, and he plays like 75 percent of his games. Let's see what I got next on this board here. I know we're down to four minutes of you here. Um, Gafford versus Hartenstein versus Eubanks. Pick your favorite two of those three. Eubanks then Hartenstein. Ah, interesting. I've got I know, a... I know, and and I'm a former Gafford fan, or you know, um, advocate. But yeah, I thought just, Porzingis would be out longer. That would have been his window there. Oh well. I just, I, I mean, that's a dude that I'm really worried about his knees. Like he, he was barely making it up and down the floor last year. I've gotten this question like four times in the chat, and we sort of talked about it discussing the Kyrie thing. Would you add Seth Curry? But I, I mean, part of it would be in case Kyrie just starts sitting ball games here. But is there any long-term solution here with Seth? He's just so hurt. Like, they're managing his minutes, and they've really needed him on the floor all year, so you know it's a need to manage the minutes, not a want. Um, he's definitely been producing. I think you can, like, if you can manage days off, and if you can, um, you know, effectively stream him maybe in and out of your lineup, I just think those off games are going to be very painful for you and be careful battle of the Jalen's Duran or Williams rest of this year in a points league. Yeah. You can answer it for both. If you want, I, I think, um, Jalen Williams is at least super exciting. I, I think there's something to be said about that. Like I think they're both kind of exciting, going aren't to they? fun. Yeah. They're, they're both exciting, but Jalen's <laughs> got like multi-category potential and, a lot of usage and so it's just there's a lot of action surrounding him right now and it doesn't quite add up to what you would hope for fantasy value and Duran could just go in there and just go you know whatever 60 percent from the field and you know approach two blocks a game and get you a couple steals and you know all those boards and and just shoot up the ranks and how if he shoots free throws you know it could be over and I, I think Duran's got the upside Sometimes it works out like this. Duran has some super high upside, but the higher likelihood of a, of a more attainable upside of like a mid-level upside will go to Jalen Williams with a higher percentage chance. So you got to kind of ask yourself, am I shooting for the moon here or am I happy with just a little bit of upside? And I think Jalen Williams is the answer there. All right. I know you're down to two minutes here, so I'm going to try to pick one. This feels like kind of an easy one. Mark Williams or Precious Achua? Mark Williams. Wendell Carter Jr. or Jalen Duran? Hmm. Jimmy Duran. Uh, what is your take on Zach Collins? This will be the last question we do live on air before I yell at everybody. Hey, like it. Actually, screw that. I'm going to do it beforehand. If you're joining us live today, please do like and subscribe to our YouTube page. There are like two and a half times of number of you watching that have hit the thumbs up button on the video. So please do take a second and go do it. I know some of you are watching on delay, so you'll get to this at some point. Uh, but again, it's youtube.com slash sports ethos. We are going to have eight live shows this week, which is kind of amazing. We've completely revamped our YouTube page. I know we got lucky that crazy Kyrie news broke while we were live on air today, but please Guys, I'm literally dying in this chair. I need to get out of here and take medicine, and Brew needs to get to his next appointment. Please like and subscribe. It's the least you can do. Brew, Zach Collins, and then we're out of here.
I'm just not on that hype train. I think he's too inconsistent to take advantage of big minutes, uh, top 100 ceiling, I think, and then um, probably likely in this scenario, uh, like a top 125. He is Aaron Bruski. Follow him on Twitter. You can see it on your screen, but if you're listening, at A-A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. These are the last little bits of vocal strength I have left, and I want to wish you all a wonderful weekend. We'll be back on Monday with a reverse chronological lightning round on the recorded side. On the live show side, Eric Ong. He's got a waiver wire show coming up on Sunday night, so lots going on here in the next couple of days. Crazy Kyrie at it again. We'll talk to you guys soon. So long, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.